Let's say you just bought a house. Bad news is, you're one step closer to becoming your parents. You'll proudly mow the lawn. Ask if anybody noticed you mowed the lawn. Tell people to stay off the lawn. Compare it to your neighbor's lawn. And complain about having to mow the lawn again. Good news is, it's easy to bundle home and auto through Progressive and save on your car insurance. Which, of course, will go right into the lawn. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discount not available in all stages or situations. Okay, here we go. Now put it in reverse. Got it. Now forward. Okay. Reverse. Now turn the wheel. Alright. Turn the wheel! No! Reverse! Left reverse! Right. Slow the out! Go kill it! Kill it! Kill the owner! There's a reason they say curse like a sailor. I said reverse! Many reasons. Progressive's boat insurance has you covered. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Well, we're docked now. Welcome to the NBA Front Office Show. I'm your host, Keith Smith. I am joined, as always, by Pete Toll. Pete, how are you? I'm doing great, Keith. And Con Arrow. Con, how are you doing? I'm good, Keith. How are you doing? Good, good. Thanks, guys. Pete, you have a good Thanksgiving? Yeah, I did. Yeah, I did. How about yourself? You? I did. Thank you, Con. You? Yeah, I went down to D.C. for a few days. It was a good time. Good stuff. Good deal. Well, lots of basketball over the Thanksgiving. That's my uh, one time when I can watch a little college basketball for a change. I, I can actually sit down during the day. So I like those early season tournaments for that. Um, I, I'll tell you guys, I'm in love with Marvin Bagley. Well, I'm a Duke fan, so I'm right there with you. <laughs> the Bulls are yeah, sure. at the bottom of the league right now, so I'm hoping. <laughs> I'm hoping hard. Right <laughs> he, now he'd for, be for a nice Bagley. pairing with Markin, and that'd be a nice uh, skill pairing out out on the it perimeter for them. It so. For sure. Um, but that's not what we're here to talk about. We're, we're, we're an NBA podcast, not a college basketball podcast, so we'll leave that to the to the guys who really know. We'll talk about those guys later on when we get into it. What we're going to do, we, we changed things up a little. We were going to talk about Western Conference rotations uh, this week and get into that like we did with the East, but, but there's been a lot of things happening lately, um, some injury-wise, some um, – Cap-related um, things came out as well as a coach got fired. So we're going to start with that. And we're going to start right off the top with the coach firing. David Fisdale fired by the Memphis Grizzlies. And, Con, I'm going to go to you first. Um, Two-part question. Were you surprised? And the second part is, was this the right move by the Grizzlies? Well, my answer for to the first question has two parts, actually, because I was initially surprised. I was like, what is going on? David Fisdale, like, he had the whole... Um, like take that for data speech that everyone loved and he it seemed like the team was all rallying around him and the young guys loved him but then after this happened I got really curious and started digging into what's been going on with the Grizzlies since I'm not tuned in day to day and learned that well this Marcus Hall versus Fisdale kind of whatever they're having whatever is going on between them has been going on for a while and then in the summer apparently Marcus Gasol I mean uh, Fizdale went to Europe to kind of meet Marcus Gasol to kind of talk things out um so it seemed like it was all good and then it all culminated basically during the Nets game so they lost their eighth straight that night and then in the fourth quarter um Marcus Gasol was not put in he even went up to Fizdale and kind of during the game and was like hey like or i don't know if he said anything or but he tried to get up and get in the game but Fizdale wasn't having it and then after at the end of the game i don't know if you guys listened to his post game comments but he was like i am not taking this like there's gonna i'm not gonna be lying down and taking this or whatever he was saying for anyone who didn't listen to it listen to it because now that Fizdale's fired there's a lot of undertones there that you might not have heard or caught when you've listened to it before the news came out. And then in terms of the right move, I don't know because I think if the Grizzlies do decide to rebuild within the next year-ish, it's probably the wrong move because Fizdale seems like a coach where the young guys can rally around. He can kind of be that authoritarian figure. He comes from that heat culture, um, bring that in. But I don't know. They, they seem like they're going to continue with Gasol and Conley, but I'm not in there. It's pretty dysfunctional, it seems like, from from the outside, but 
I've been talking for a while. What do you guys think? Yeah, yeah, no, it's it is interesting. So let's give a little bit more detail on what's going on with the Grizzlies right now. In case, like you said, some people may not follow them so closely. They started out the year seven and four, so were probably one of the more surprises. I would say the league they they were you know just doing it their way, the way they always do it. You know, defense and timely offense and those kind of things. Well, the offense has absolutely cratered recently and fallen apart and that's in conjunction also with Mike Conley going out who is nicked up and injured again so that is a disappointing thing and that that's led to an eight game losing streak they're now seven and 12 they are sitting at 10 11 12th in the western conference right now so just a ugly slide for them con mentioned it gasol and fisdale obviously not on the same page with what's going on with the team and then where things should go so so pete i'm gonna ask you the same thing um because i'm sure this was a surprise I, I know you well enough to know that that caught you off guard and i saw some of your comments on twitter but do you think that this is the right move um, ultimately, it's it's questionable because where are you going as a franchise? Because, you know, Mark Gasol is getting up there in age. Mike Conley has the largest contract, you know, essentially in the NBA. You know, he is not even made an all-star team. So those are your two pieces that you're building around. Really, the only young star that you potentially, I don't even know that you would call him a star, young asset that you have is Dylan Brooks at age 22, and he's a rookie. So you're basically looking at a long rebuild. And if you go back, their owner actually wanted to fire Dave Yorger three games into his tenure um, as the coach. So it's kind of a mess across the board. Then you look at the injuries um, across the board with uh, Mike Conley. You've got Ben McLemore, who's now back healthy, um, but he's been inconsistent his entire career. And then Brandon Wright is another major piece um, as well, you know, that that's down. So that, you know, and then, of course, Chandler Parsons, um, you know, kind of iffy here and there. So that's a lot of pieces to be missing. So I actually give credit to David Fisdale, you know, for what he's been able to do um, as far as mentoring the young guys and getting this team, you know, relatively higher expectations than many people thought early on. And then now recently – um, you know, hitting a slide, you know, I think that kind of put a lot of questionable things on the table um, as far as ownership goes, as far as players and and um, David Fisdale as a coach. So I think they lean towards, you know, firing Fisdale more so than, than trying to reconstruct the roster right now. Yeah. And that to me, that's, that's where the problem comes in, right? It's not it's it's I don't know that anybody was going to make this a great situation because Fisdale was doing I think the best job he could with the hand he was dealt there and I know he went there knowing really what the situation was but yeah it's I put this out on Twitter but if anybody missed it they have over 92 million dollars committed to just five guys for next season so that's 30.5 for Conley 24 for Gasol uh, 7.8 for, for DeMichael Green, 5.5 for Ben McLemore, and 24.1 for Chandler Parsons. So, And that's a, that's not even a good starting lineup if you put that together, really, because McLemore, I mean, he's all right, I guess, but he's never shown the promise that thought he would be. You know, I think it was a surprise. I know, actually, it was a surprise to many around the league that he got as much money as he did. He got $5.2 million for this year and 5.5 for next season. So that's really an issue. And the, I think that the challenge comes in is there's no easy way out of this because they don't have any sort of cap space. Gasol's contract is, is large, so it makes – not that teams wouldn't trade for him, but it doesn't make it easy. No one's touching Parsons. That's probably one of the more toxic contracts in the entire NBA. And then Conley's deal is just, it's it's not great. 30.5 next year, 32.5 the year after, 34.5 the year after that. That's a huge challenge. Now that last year is um, partially guaranteed at 22.4 million. And then will increase if he hits some playing time markers, which at this point, yeah, we'll see, you know, if he can make it that far. So, you know, I, I can't see them moving him. And then beyond that, their draft record is appalling. I mean, just really, really bad. They they haven't drafted a single impact guy since Mike Conley, which is really sad to see for the uh for the Grizzlies. So at this point I was gonna say, and they waive Wade Baldwin who they just drafted, and then yeah. 
um, Roddy Zagorik, they they waived in training camp as well. Yep. So that just does not show. Yeah, and to that point, Zagorich, they gave him a three-year deal with the first two years fully guaranteed. So he's on the books for $1.4 million next year of dead money just because they, they cut ties with him too quickly. So, so Con, what would you do next, I guess, if you're the Grizzlies? Is it time to blow it up? Would you trade Gasol, trade Conley? Would you see what you could do for any of those guys? Like, like if you're in that position, if they came to you and said, hey, fix it, get us out of this, where do you go next? Well, yeah, that's that's a tough question. But I think, one, Chandler Parsons is pretty close to immovable, I think, at this yeah. point, before he has a healthy season. And, I mean, there's already kind of news out there that he has some soreness in his knee or in the back of his knee or whatever the details are there and you don't like to hear that but let me jump in on that it is well believed around the league that he's never going to be healthy again that this is just what you're going to get that he's probably about a 25 minute a game guy you push him too much you know probably maybe shouldn't be playing back-to-backs and things like that so so yeah, yeah it's it's not a good situation with Chandler Parsons so yeah so they're they're caught up in a weird situation where they're already kind of bad i mean they they're not performing very well obviously eight game losing streak and they have a tough schedule ahead too so it's not like they can just be giving away assets to get off bad contracts that that's not they can't be doing that because they need all the assets that they can kind of acquire um and then marcus Gasol is is i mean i would say definitely their best trade asset because he's probably going to have a good year i mean he's going to be good this year most likely next year he has a player option for 20 25.6 million dollars in 2019 2020 so we'll see where he's at i mean hopefully he doesn't fall off a cliff but i think a team that needs a big i mean you always hear the Cavs talk but they're not going to give up the brooklyn pick for marc gasol they need future talent coming back if they want to do that mike conley I mean, that's a long contract. He has four four years. He's already, what, 30 years old, I think, 29, 30 years old. Yeah. So though their best assets are very hard to get rid of. One thing that they do have are some expiring deals, like Brandon Wright. Some teams that need cap space for next year might be looking at that for maybe a second rounder or something. Um, Tyreek Evans is playing really well. A team might want to take him on to be able to sign him into, if they're over the cap, they might want to take on his contract to be able to kind of keep him since they can't offer him a contract if they're already over the cap. Yeah, the only challenge with, with Evans is that they, they would have non-bird rights on him. So you're pretty limited in what you could could okay. give him. So it might be better off to, you know, and still the team might be interested in him, but it'd probably be more for help the rest of this year. And then they would be able to, you know, maybe use an exception or something like that to, okay. to sign him. So, yep. Yeah, it's definitely a challenge. Um, you know, Gasol's out there a lot. I, I, I had Celtics Twitter explode about, mm-hmm. you know, Celtics should go get him. Well, that's not going <laughs> to happen because they'd either have to gut the roster or trade one out of Horford, Irving, or Hayward, which they're not going to do at this point. So, you know, I mean, never say never with Danny Ainge. Who knows? You know, but I think if they're going to go do that and, and have to trade a high salary guy, one of those, they're, they're quote-unquote big three players or a package of young guys, they're going to do that for Anthony Davis and not Marc Gasol. So I don't – that doesn't seem reasonable. And it's – the challenge is when you look around the league, the teams that could use Gasol, they don't have the pieces – Memphis is either going to want expiring contracts back or they're going to want young talent. And I don't think that anybody really has that um, easy to match up with Gasol. So, Pete, I want to ask you same same thing. Would you start selling off whatever pieces you could if you were Memphis, or do you hope that J.B. Bickerstaff, who's in as their interim head coach, can take over and, you know, maybe get this thing back on track? I mean, you really have to hope that Mike Conley comes back healthy soon. That's really your saving grace because I don't see them getting much better anytime soon. Gasol is 33. Yes, he has been able to step out to the three-point line, so that kind of – um, preserves his value a little bit more than than the normal traditional you know inside banger um, that's kind of phasing out of the NBA. But at the same time, you know, like you just said, you both said, like who's really going to give up assets for what the Grizzlies have, you know, to dangle out there? I mean, James James Ennis. I mean, nobody's looking to to trade for James Ennis. So it's kind of in my mind the the Grizzlies are kind of stuck honestly with what they have and and they're just going to have to make it work in a in a variety of ways i mean conley and gasol are are a good tandem 
um, if they're both healthy. And it looks like Tyreek Evans is is stepping into a, a good scoring role this year. Maybe they can kind of salvage a little bit of the season, not make the playoffs, but at least make themselves respectable um, as, as they you know go further through the year. Keith, real quick, I, I want to get your opinion or P two if you if you have one. Mm-hmm. Um, what if would you do this? I personally wouldn't, but they're almost at the cap. Like if they renounce all their guys next year um, and don't pick up Andrew Harrison and Wayne Sullivan or whatever, um, and then let's say you give away some assets like a first round and a, se- a first and a second to give away Chandler Parsons, then you have about twenty four million in room about. Um, and maybe you could get off Ben Malcolmore too. That's not a hard contract to get off. Then you can combine a max contract guy with Conley and Gasol. Obviously, you'd probably need the commitment from the guy first, um, and then all the deals kind of set up um, just to kind of have a last run at it with the last two seasons of Marc Gasol, three seasons of Conley, and then however much you signed the guy for. I don't know if I would do that, but I just thought of it right now. So curious to what you yeah, think. Yeah, I, I think it's interesting. The challenge is I think you're going to have to give up two first at minimum mm-hmm. to get off Parsons' contract. And the challenge is when you look at this summer, who's going to eat that deal, right? Because this isn't what it's been the last few years. So, you know, is it maybe Atlanta's in the position to still eat contracts? Maybe, maybe to get a couple extra first, Chicago, Possibly, I guess. I, I can't see any way Dallas takes him back no. again. I can't imagine that works. Indiana, uh, maybe. The Lakers, we're going to talk about them a little later in the show, but we know they have bigger dreams than just eating some contracts. So I think that becomes the challenge of how, how who, who can eat that contract for you. And then who are you going to spend the money on? Right. You know, like who, who, like realistically, who's going to go there out of the big time free agents? Because no one's going to go there. They're a point guard because Conley's already there. You're not going to get a center because that's Gasol. You know, you're not. They're not going to be in the LeBron James market. That's not going to happen. Yeah, um, maybe if they kept Fizdale. Well, <laughs> yeah, maybe. And then I mean, you look at it too um, from an agent's perspective. You know, if if Fizdale got fired. And there's questionability about the you know the ownership and, and lack of direction there. You're already a small market team that that struggles to attract you know profile free agents that that want to go there. I get I don't really consider Chandler Parsons as a you know top tier free agent when you know when he came on board. But um, you know what what direction are you going in in Memphis? Like where's your identity if you're kind of looking at you know, all right, well, essentially we pick Gasol over, you know, Fisdale. And, and you know, yeah. a lot of players take notice of that and agents too around the league of, of you know, how something's handled. So let, let's uh, close the book on the Grizzlies. I'm going to ask you guys one more question. Do you, and, and I'll start with you, Pete. At this point, it feels like um, J.B. Bickerstaff, I mean, maybe he really turns things around and they start playing great and then he becomes the the head guy long term. But if he doesn't, do you have a head coach in mind that you would like to see them go get? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, I mean, there's a there's a couple guys out there as far as um, assistant coaches like Chris Finch for New Orleans. Uh, He's kind of the, um, you know, guru, so to speak, that's gotten the the cousins uh, Anthony Davis um, combo to work. I think he'd be somebody that I would look at. Um, I know like Mark Jackson gets thrown out every you know time there's a free agent you know coaching or an open coaching spot. Um, a tour Messina for San Antonio might be a, another option there. Um, really, in my mind, I would go after Chris Finch. That would be you know kind of where I would look, especially with Gasol there. And Conley. What about you, Con? Um, I mean, Kevin McHale has been, he was pretty successful with the Rockets. He's been kind of out of the league, I mean, out of the coaching circle for a bit here. I'd like to see him get another look with with, with another team, and maybe the Grizzlies are that, that team. But I like Chris Finch probably more. <laughs> yeah, so I'm with you guys. Like, I love Chris Finch, and I want to see him get his shot. I just don't know if they're going to go the assistant coach mm-hmm. route again. So the guy I, I think actually could make some sense for them because I think he's only coming back if he's got some veteran players that are ready to compete and win now. What about Jeff Van Gundy? I, I thought of him. Um... And I think he could make some sense for them. You know, he's done a lot of good things with, with – big men centered centric teams 
and you know um, can can work with some stuff there. It's not a you know I mean they're not they're not going to contend for a title with what they have right now, but they could definitely get back into the mix for the playoffs for certain. So it's just something to throw out there. So you know let us know. Hit us up on Twitter with your ideas for um, guys that that we think um, or you think rather that that the Grizzlies should pursue as a head coach as well as what you know you think is, is it time for them to blow up and move on. So let's uh, let, let's keep our own show moving on. Again, you're listening to the NBA Front Office Show. I'm your host Keith Smith. I'm joined by Pete Toll and Conorell, and we are part of the Almighty Baller Network. We are going to keep moving on. We're going to plug a couple um, couple of our buddies on the network from Hollywood Hoops. So Eric Pincus and Josh Martin, they host the Hollywood Hoops podcast, all focused on the Lakers and the Clippers, and they do a fantastic job covering those two teams out there in Los Angeles. And Eric Pincus wrote a very interesting piece for Bleacher Report. came out a couple weeks ago, but we hadn't had a chance to talk about it, so we want to talk about it now. And it's all around Luol Deng. So get a little refresher on what's been going on with Luol Deng. He is, speaking of bad contracts, sheesh, that one's, that one's right up there. Um, you know, there was a head-scratcher when it happened and only looks worse now. So he's owed $17.2 million the rest of this year, $18 million next year, and $18.8 million in 1920. So the challenge with Deng is the Lakers have this, this whole designs on getting two max free agents, whether that be LeBron James and Paul George or LeBron and DeMarcus Cousins or Paul George and Cousins or who whoever they, they're they're dreaming about there. Russell Westbrook obviously signed the extension with the Thunder. He's off the market for them. But that's that's the dream that they want to bring in two max free agents, pair them with Lonzo Ball and Brandon Ingram, most likely, and then then go on from there. And then obviously you'd have your slew of veterans who join the team on exceptions or buyouts or you know what have you. Challenges, they're nowhere near the cap space they need to do that. Even if they let all their free agents go and they've got several and they don't have a draft pick, which they, they won't have because it's either going to Philadelphia or to Boston, or they just you know really start dumping guys and moving guys out. It's not going to be there, and they're not going to. They talk about we talked about it with Parsons is it's going to take a couple first round picks to get off Parsons. It's probably going to take that to get off Dang. Look at what they had to do with. D'Angelo Russell, they had to trade, um, or rather, Timofey Mozgov, they had to trade D'Angelo Russell to get there. So, so challenge being, being that's what it is. So, so within Eric Pinkus' piece, one of the things, um, and this is a big lead, and I promise I'm going to get to the guys here in a second, but one of the things he does is he explains that what they should actually do is give Deng an extension, which if you see that off the top, you're probably like, wait, what? This is absolute insanity. Why would we want to extend a guy who looks like he's already washed up beyond what what he has? Was that you guys' first take, Con, when Um, you first saw this? Well, knowing Eric, uh, no. Yeah. (laughs) Because (laughs) (laughs) I figured there was something up. um, And, yeah, we'll we'll get into what it actually said. But, no, I wasn't too shocked. I I, I was just curious what what he wanted to say. Yeah, what about you, Pete? I was actually – I'm not the cab guy like you guys are. (laughs) So I was like, what the heck? Like, why would you do that? Right. So so basically what what, um, Pincus is doing is he's basically saying extend Dang, but make it – either fully non-guaranteed the extension or very low partial guarantee. Basically give Dang a little something for his trouble for going through this because what that would do is so next summer if they're gonna if they were to waive and use a stretch provision on Dang, they can only stretch his his remaining money that that almost thirty seven million can only be stretched over a period of five years because how the stretch provision works is it's two times the number of years left plus a year. So two years left. So two times two, four plus one, five. And there you go. So what he's saying is extend him out and then push it out so that it can be paid out over 11 years. So tack two more years onto his con or three more years rather onto his contract for a total of five years. And then, stretch whatever's there, all that guaranteed money, which would probably be about maybe 40-ish million over the next 11 years, which I, I want to happen personally just for the, the comic 
ness in it uh, you know that it would be absolutely hilarious to see luol dang on the lakers books as we um start approaching the the end of the 2020s um i think i just think that'd be absolutely hilarious to see that but it's um you know it, it's a really it's a novel interesting idea and in there so i'm gonna kick it to you first con i know you're you're more of the cap guy like i am with this what what are your thoughts do you think this is something that the lakers should do well so initially i just want to say i always have this weird feeling about this about stretching guys because i hate seeing if you look at cap sheets i hate it when there's a guy getting paid like josh smith is still making like five million (laughs) dollars from from the pistons and it's just kind of sanders yeah or larry sanders and it's like (laughs) yeah so i don't like pushing stretching money out because it's just money that you're not using to on your team that particular year where you could be so this in this situation you'd be paying dang about three and a half million and i mean as the cap increases i know the percentage like by the end of this it'll be less than the minimum probably um (laughs) close 11 years so so i guess it's not that big of a deal um and in this particular case i actually am in favor because of the one because the lakers they just want to get back to contention as soon as possible and i kind of want to see that happen too like two max guys with this team against the warriors obviously it's all speculation but that'll be so much fun and entertaining and it's taking a cool new cap like maneuvering to do it and it's just like it's really exciting for me personally so i want it to happen and 3.3 million dollars over 11 years isn't that big of a deal i just love the fact that dang would be getting paid about three and a half to four million dollars when he's like 45 years old um that's just really cool to me but yeah i kind of want to see it happen what about you pete yeah i'm with you guys for number one for the comic relief number two because it allows the lakers to get back to relevance and um you know competitive as far as the playoffs go because i think they could be um, an exciting team that, you know, obviously um, stars will come out, the attendance will be up even more. Um, so it's better for the NBA brand um, if they can get those two stars. Yeah, I'm the Boston guy in the group, so this is maybe sacrilege and I may not be able to go back home. But the NBA is at its best when the Lakers and the Knicks and the Celtics and the Bulls are all good. Um, when the big cities have the best teams, that's when the league is at its best. So, so you know, I want to see them get back, you know, to what they used to be. And I think, you know, this is kind of con you hit it. They want to get back to contention as quick as they can. And that's exactly, you know, where we're headed here with the, with the Lakers. So it, it's really, really interesting to think about. I think it's a really cool um, thing. And again, it's over at Bleacher Report. If you just uh, Google Eric Pincus, and that's P-I-N-C-U-S, dang, um, Bleacher Report, it'll pull right up. You'll find it'll be probably your first hit that'll come up. One thing, Keith. Go ahead, Con. I was just going to say the very interesting point here is they – basically need to give dang a little bit more money to in order to do this because technically the loophole could be extracted to where you don't give him any money guaranteed just three years of non-guaranteed money and then stretch the exact money he's owed for 11 years which is just adding what that's two years so three years so that's adding like seven years more to this amount they could stretch um and that's just fully a loophole and taking advantage of a c a loophole in the cba and the cba has a clause in there saying look if you pull a move that's strictly against the cba you can't do it so yeah basically how it works is that there that what's out there is the league has a um circumvention clause which is if you're doing moves that even if there is a loophole that technically allows it, but it's a true circumvention of the cap, the league is going to step in and say no. Um, and, and all it would take is for you know a handful of teams to to throw a hand up and say, "Well, wait a minute, what's happening here? You know, what are we doing? This isn't you know where we want to go with this." I don't. It, it it didn't. No one pushed the issue, but the Boston Celtics did something kind of similar to this this summer they actually they had a non-guaranteed year for demetrius jackson that they that was also a team option they went ahead and picked up his team option so that they could stretch all of his money owed over seven years so it actually took his cap hit down to the minuscule amount of 90 almost ninety three thousand dollars over the next seven seasons so what they ended up doing was that was because they 
every dollar mattered for Boston this year as they were trying to bring in Gordon Hayward and other um, players. Um, so that's one of the things that they did. And there were some eyebrows raised on, wait a minute, you picked up an option year just to then turn around and wave the guy. And that's exactly what they did. So it's going to be really interesting to see, you know, where this one goes and how it plays out. It's a, uh, you know, I, kudos to Eric Pincus for coming up with this. This is a, you know, if, if, if you know Eric at all, or you followed his work, you know how much he's in tune with this stuff. If you haven't, go start reading his stuff. He is—he's uh, the best in the business. It's uh, kind of, quite frankly, a shock to me that a team hasn't snapped him up just yet. You know, hopefully that'll happen. You know, down the line, if that's the direction he wants to go, because he, you know, and beyond being an incredible basketball mind. He's a, one of the nicest people I've met um, out there. He's just a super, super, super nice guy, um, you know, with everything. So so what we're going to do now is we're going to take a little bit of break, um, pay, pay a couple bills here, and then we'll get right back to you with the NBA front office show. This podcast is brought to you by ADT. When it comes to something as important as your family safety, you need real protection with ADT. What does real protection mean for you? Well, real protection means you can get all of the latest innovation in smart home security from ADT combined with 24-7 monitoring from the most trusted name in home security. You'll get a team of professionals designing and installing a secure smart home just for you, including 18,000 employees safeguarding you and your family, along with a connection to first responders. Your secure smart home includes everything from video doorbells and indoor and outdoor cameras to smart locks and lights controlled from the ADT Go app or the sound of your voice. You can also get professionally monitored carbon monoxide and smoke detectors. Everything is custom designed to fit your home, all from the nation's number one smart home security provider. You can even get safety on the go in the car or when the kids are at school with the ADT Go app with an SOS button. Ready to learn more? Visit ADT.com backslash podcast to learn more about how ADT can design and install a secure smart home just for you. Welcome back to the NBA Front Office Show. I'm your host, Keith Smith. We are part of the Almighty Baller Network. I'm joined by Connorell and Pete Toll. We are going to get into a next topic. We're going to stay in Los Angeles because news broke. This just happened last night. We're recording this on Tuesday. Um, Monday evening, Blake Griffin got injured. I, did you guys both have a chance to see the play? I did. So, um, Pete, it was ugly. Yeah, it was. Um, yeah, I, I'm shocked he tried to stay in the game. Yeah, and essentially, just to clear it up, Lonzo Ball did not purposely do anything because no, I want to go ahead and squash that now because people, yeah. you know, getting mad and, and things like that. So basically, um, Lonzo Ball kind of bumped um, Austin Rivers. Austin Rivers falls back into Blake Griffin's leg. It bends awkwardly um, in a direction that it should not go. Um, yeah. And so it could have been a lot worse, but um, I'll let you take it from here. Yeah, no, definitely, you know, yeah, and I saw a little bit of that around Twitter um, today, too. It, nothing there. It's just a it's a play that happens, you know, on the basketball court. It's, you know, guys tumbling and falling down and, you know, big guys falling in other big guys' legs. It's, you know, what, what it reminded me almost was of, like, a football pileup when you see an offensive lineman get rolled up on from behind. So, you know, it's definitely nothing – Nothing was intentional there. So, so Griffin did. He tried to stay in the game. Tried to tried to play. Could they? Um, they immediately the Lakers smartly immediately put him in pick and roll, and he couldn't do anything. So the so Doc pulled and immediately yanked him. So news came out. He had an MRI done. It's a sprained MCL, I believe. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah, so um, and that's generally that recovery time is about eight weeks. So you're looking at two months. So you're talking, let's just call it early February. Um, by this point, at that point, you kind of wonder, do they just say, all right, well, let's wait till the after the All-Star breaks team. You know, Griffin's been an injury-prone guy, had a lot of leg issues over the course of his career, so they may not push him to come back. So question I'm going to ask is the Clippers – they they had gone on their own free fall. We talked about the Grizzlies' free fall earlier in the show. Clippers had lost, um, what was it, seven or eight in a row or something like that. And then now they've won three in a row. Looked like maybe they were starting to come back. But they're already without Patrick Beverly. Danilo Gallinari is hurt again. Big shocker there. Who couldn't have saw that one coming? And now Griffin is down. Are the Clippers done? So, Con, let me let you chime in first. Man, all right, so it was a nine-game losing streak, just to throw that it out was there. That, what I knew it yeah. was up there. Yeah, 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 it was nine, and that's, that's I mean, that's a lot of losing. But, man, they already have Blake Griffin signed up for the next 
four years, right? Because he's going to take the player option because it's almost $40 million <laughs> in the 21-22 season. Um, and Gallo's hurt. Bev's already, Beverly's already out for the entire season. And, I mean, for me, I think the smart thing to do here is obviously kind of take it slow with Blake, make sure he's healthy for the rest of his contract. Get rid of DeAndre. It's not getting rid of DeAndre. It's just getting assets for him because not only could he be an expiring deal that a lot of teams could love to use, but he's also a great player that teams want to sign. So his values, his values there. He has a player option for twenty four million next year, but we'll see if he picks that up. Um, I think yeah. I, I don't see them. I mean, Blake Griffin without Blake Griffin, what DeAndre can't post up and make his own plays. I mean, they they already are out. Milos Teodosic too. He should be back soon, but. What, I don't see any way for this team. At some point, you just run out of talent. Like, next man up only works so much to, to a certain point. And they, they don't have many more man men to come up. <laughs> <laughs> you know? So, yeah, I think I think it's it's time to at least try to get a high draft pick next year to, to kind of have Blake have a young stud to play with as he ages. So, cons in the camp of blow it up, start moving pieces. Um Pete, I'm going to ask you two questions. Same, same thing. Are you in that same camp? And then I'm going to come to you with a second question, too. I am in that same camp. I'm not a huge fan of, of Doc Rivers to begin with. Um, and then you look at, like Khan just said, you know, DeAndre Jordan cannot do very much on the offensive end. So go ahead and get assets for him. The, the, the question I have is, how is that going to work? Because he doesn't technically have a player agent. So I don't know. Uh, hmm. How that, how all the logistics of that is is going to work, and then um, hold on, let's get into that because that's on the so so just little let's do a little inside baseball here. I I put together the show outline and I only share general topics with Pete and Con because I don't want them over prepared. I want to hear their kind of off the cuff takes, and that's one of the takes on there. DeAndre Jordan, how do you? make this happen without a player agent. Um, one of the things that's going on with Jordan is that Pete's exactly right, does not have an agent at the moment. And so Bobby Marks is the one who pointed this out on Twitter today. So that makes it difficult because there's a lot of backroom discussion that goes on. And what happens is a team, you know, Team X says, hey, we're interested in, in DeAndre, but is he going to opt in? If he opts out, is he interested in re-signing here? Would he stay here in you know whatever city it may be? And those kind of things. When you don't have an agent, you can't really have those conversations because teams aren't going to risk having it with the player directly because that happens, you're in big trouble. Now you're talking losing draft picks, you're going to be fined and things like that. So that becomes a huge um, issue there. So so that's a challenge with that one. So Pete, go ahead though, finish out your thought. I just wanted to make sure we got that Jordan piece out there. Oh, absolutely. Um, but then you, you look at guys like um, Wesley Johnson, who's 30. Lou Williams, he's 31. Wait, Wesley Johnson's 30? Holy crap. Yeah, yeah. How did that happen? I know. Um, Man, I'm old. You know, so you got guys like that that, you know, potentially are going to be, you know, gone or not contributing, you know, very much in another season or two. Um, so really, you know, you're looking at guys like Sam Decker. You're looking at, um, Jawan uh, Evans or Jawan Evans, uh, Montrez Harrell, um, you know guys like that to step into roles that you know they're not really accustomed to to stepping into. So it's going to be hard for for the Clippers to number one make the playoffs if they don't have Blake Griffin, but then remain competitive at, at that. Um, so that way Doc Rivers could you know potentially keep his job because now he's really going to be looked at under the microscope. Yeah, so that's and it's really interesting that you said that too. And Patrick Beverly, if there are signs that he's not ready to go, his contract is actually fully non guaranteed next year at just over five million dollars. So the Clippers could, despite you know the big deal for Blake on the books and the big deal for Gallinari, it does sound from all reports like DeAndre Jordan's going to opt out. I would imagine Austin Rivers opts out. Tiodosic, who knows? We'll see. Um, they could be look, looking at it decent chunk of cap space if they they really wanted to go that direction next year um you know and then rebuild around griffin and, and gallo with that but here's the question i want to ask for the rest of this season they're already hit by the injuries so they're playing they're already playing Jawan evans they're playing Sindor, sindarius thornwell they're playing guys like decker and wesley johnson and mantras harrow you know, in spurts here and there. Now they're going to have to play all those guys more, maybe even Bryce Johnson, whose team option they declined for next season off his rookie scale contract. 
how in the world is this team going to score, Pete? It's going to be hard because you're looking at Wesley Johnson, not much of a score. Sandarius Thornwell is the most intriguing for me um, because he can he can put up um, numbers um, kind of in a hurry. Juwan Evans kind of has a little bit of a you know smaller guard that that Chris Paul type game. He could um, you know score if he needed to. It's just you know from a height perspective, I don't really know. Um, you know, how much he's going to be able to do. So that really throws it to Lou Williams to put up points in bunches, which he already does. Yeah. Um, but he had 40 something the other night, right? Yeah. 45 but that's or something. A like lot that. of bad shots going up yeah. in that, in, in that, you know, 40 points um, a night. And you're giving up probably the same amount, if not more, on the, on the defensive end with Lou Williams. So. Yeah, so Khan, is it is it Lou Williams and a lot of Lou Williams until till Danilo Gallinari is back? Well, if they keep him, um, he has the seven million expiring option, which I mean people can use to you know. I mean, teams will be interested in Lou Williams. It's just a matter of whether or not Clippers the Clippers want to get rid of him. One because he's an expiring, and two he's one of the best bench guys and can score in bunches for any team. We've seen that in the playoffs and out the playoffs with, with Lou. Um, so, and so hold on. I want to, I want to talk about that. Cause this one comes up again a lot. Again, Celtics guy. So cover the team. People look at that. Whoa. He fits nicely right into that, that Gordon Hayward disabled player exception. My challenge with it is from the Celtics that I'm interested as a non Celtics guy. So you guys take on this is, I don't know if they need another small guard who scores the ball. Now, I know he's going to score better than Terry Rozier or Marcus Smart does, but they already take a decent amount of shots off the bench. And I just don't know that Williams fits exactly what Boston needs, unless you're saying one of those two guys just isn't going to play. And I can't see the Celtics going to that point. So, Con, what do you think about it? Would Williams be a good gamble for Boston with the, the DPE? I just know to keep it short because Lou Williams, I mean, that, that goes completely against why the Celtics are successful this year. They have the lengthy, athletic uh, go- players at every position. Even Terry Rozier, I mean, he's a defensive kind of hound when, when he's locked in and he has the length with the, wing, with the wingspan. And Irving is their only, I guess, defensive liability, if he ev- is even that this year because he's kind of stepped up and putting more effort. So Lou Williams just doesn't fit what the Celtics are doing and that's probably one of the only teams that don't want him just because it doesn't fit in. What about you, Pete? Everything that Khan just said, he summed it up perfect. <laughs> Good. All right, so then let me, and I know I'm throwing this to you guys without giving you any time to prep. Where could you see him fitting in around the league? Because hmm. I have a team I think he would fit in well. I mean, of course the Pelicans could always use, you know, scoring, but... Um, Indy, maybe? Yeah, there are a lot of guards in yeah. New Orleans uh, already. Um, well, who would you say, Con? I said the Pacers, maybe? Pacers, maybe. Yeah, no, not bad, because they could use another scorer off their bench. They, I actually tweeted this morning, I think they're about one guy short. Um, the, the Pacers feel yeah, like they're, there you they're go. one I guy saw short. That, yeah. The two teams that, Portland? that come... Who was that? Maybe Portland could use another, another scorer off the bench. Um, yeah, challenge comes in on how how do you match money mm-hmm. to get them there because they already, you know, got their own issues. Team that kind of makes a little bit of sense to me, and I think they could could make something work tradable. What if you send them to Philly? Ah, mm, where he started. Yeah, and he's a better version of Jared Bayless. What about the Nuggets? Where he's like your Nuggets, not another good one. You know, Nugget, Nuggets could you know use another bench score type i mean i guess they already have will barton doing that so yeah 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 but yeah i, I kind of like philly too um especially with faults kind that of that one just kind of came to so mind far. and that's the challenge is if Fultz isn't going to be there man you know maybe if you if you were if you were the, the clippers and you looked at like a deandre trade and you were going to send him out what if you did williams for okafor straight up and then just threw Okafor in the middle for the rest of the year if you're the Clippers. I would take that as a Sixers fan. All well, day. obviously you would, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just it was just it was kind of out there, and I was looking at it because I was like, where does he make sense? Like, who who needs him? You know, there, um, you know, with that. So that was just one one that came to mind. We won't spend a lot of time speculating, but um, yeah, I, I for me personally, I know I never really touched on it myself. Is I do think it is time 
to start moving what pieces you can, whether it be Williams or um, either one of the Johnsons or DeAndre Jordan. Um, just those guys, it's, it's, you got to do something. It, it, you know, you made another run at it. Fortunately, you made another run at it with a bunch of guys who are constantly hurt and surprise, surprise, they're hurt again. And now it's, you, you, you kind of made your bed and you got to lie in it. And that's where I want to wrap up with the Clippers kind of similar to the, to the Grizzlies earlier. Is this it? Is Doc Rivers done as the coach of the LA Clippers, Pete? Yes. Uh, I think Steve, Steve Ballmer is given, you know, plenty of time. He already stripped him of the uh, president of basketball operations. And so now it's kind of like, all right, I, I gave you um, a couple seasons to turn this around. And, and I know some injuries hit, but enough's enough. We got to get some, a, a fresh voice in here and, and, you know, get this team back winning. Con. Yeah, I don't even think it's yeah, I don't even think it's really a fault of anyone's here cuz Doc, I mean, he's had a good run. They've won a lot of games. They've maybe underachieved in the playoffs, but kind of bad breaks here and there hurt them. Um and they just need a new new face in town, I guess, new voice in the locker room because but it's also like the GM put together this injury-laden team that everyone's like, "Oh, but if they're healthy, they'd be good, great." Ah, couldn't talk, but they're not. They they can't stay healthy. It's it's not working. So it's kind of like you can't blame Doc because the players are always hurt. But you yeah, can't, but I think he it, had also, a big yeah. hand in yeah. who got yeah yeah for sure because he sure. still had a lot of that power for sure. Yeah, no, and and, and I think it's just it's time, you know, for I think Pete, you said a new voice. It's it's just time for somebody to be there in front of it and you know kind of lead them forward. So all right, we're gonna move on to to another team that unfortunately is dealing with an, a, yet another injury to a power forward, and this is the the Denver Nuggets. So Paul Millsap, he went down hard on his, I believe it was his left wrist. And it initially looked like he might've been really bad off, might've broken something in there. Then the x-rays came back, no break. So it was like, Oh great. But then he came back, he had ligament damage and he's going to be out at this point. We'll see maybe March is when we might see him again. I kind of posited as, you know, if they can get him back on the floor at all, he almost becomes like a trade deadline addition for the Nuggets. Their good news is if the Nuggets have any depth anywhere, it's at power forward. They've got about 20 on the roster of a, of 17 guys. Somehow they, they have that many. Um, so we've seen them go to Kenneth Farida started a couple of games. They went with Wilson Chandler and went small for a game. Uh, that's, you know, kind of a different look there. They actually called Tory Craig up from the G League. He's one of their two-way players, which le- leads me to believe Wilson Chandler might have come back a little too early from a little injury of his own. Um, and then we've seen Trey Lyles step into the rotation. He's getting the bulk of the backup minutes at this point. So it's – is this uh, – you know, I, I don't want to phrase it this way, but I don't know another way to phrase it. It's not a good thing, obviously, to lose Paul Millsap. But, Khan, is this a good thing from the sense of if they could take – if everybody's going to take a big injury at some point, is it good that they took it at their deepest spot on the roster? Well, if you were to ask them what spot they wanted an injury, if they had to pick, it would definitely be power forward. What I think what I think this does is, one, Fareed, we all heard about what he was saying, like, I'm a starter, he, he thinks he's a starter, and now he has a chance to prove it, and he has been looking more spry, too. I mean, he's been playing pretty well, and I'm kind of excited to see, I'm not excited that Millsap's hurt, but I'm excited to see Fareed in a more prominent role. They tried Wilson Chandler, like you said, but they switched to Fareed pretty quickly the next game, one, because Chandler's been struggling, too, he's also hurt. Um, and then I think this opens up a bit more minutes for Wancho at the four, even though they have Trey Lyles, and I think that's his ideal position and then Malik Malik Beasley's been playing great his on-off numbers are amazing for Denver so if you can slide Will Barton to the three Wancho to the four with Trey Lyles getting minutes there and then Malik Beasley kind of more prominent I also like Torrey Craig too he was actually defensive player of either the G League or whatever league he was in in last year Um, he kind of has some size to him so we'll see if he gets some minutes but yeah, man, I think the Nuggets are equipped to ha- handle this. Um, and when Paul Millsap gets gets back, hopefully Jokic and Harris and Murray have taken them to a top, I don't know, five, six seed, and Millsap just kind of adds adds to the punch there. Yeah, and I, and I don't mean this as a knock on Paul Millsap because I think he's a fantastic player. He's one of my you know favorite guys in the league. But he wasn't playing very good 
for them. He was you know, having a lot of struggles. He hadn't improved their defense as I think they had hoped he would, um, which is really, you know, I think kind of frustrating for them um, total. So I think it's, it's interesting. And I, I actually really like Fareed next to Jokic. I think Jokic is – He's so versatile, but he's not overly athletic. So I think when you have a really bouncy guy like Fareed, who still gets up and down the floor and, you know, gets up for lobs and for rebounds and those kind of things, I think Fareed fits in well there. And with the rest of their offensive talent with Jokic, Harris, Murray, and Chandler, when Chandler's back healthy, you can mask some of his offensive deficiencies. Pete, would you consider it all – I know this failed previous when they did it with Nurkic and Jokic, and I wouldn't go to this starting, but would you go to minutes with Plumlee and Jokic together? Absolutely not. I don't think that um, that works. I think they're going to get uh, you know obliterated on the defensive end. Um, I actually think, me personally, I, I love Juancho Hernan Gomez. I think they have been playing him out of position at, at the three. Um, he should slide up to the four, but I think that um, – between give Trey Lyles a little bit more minutes. Let's see what he can do. You know, he struggled last year in, in Utah, um, has looked a little bit better, obviously, this year in Denver. Um, give him a shot to be able to stretch the floor. Um, sprinkle Fareed in there, and then, you know, give the rest of the minutes to to Wancho. Let him split between the three and the four um, with eventually most of his minutes coming at the four. I think that's their their best way to weather the storm for now. You know, one of the things I really like, too, with this is this gives them the opportunity to to give some of these younger guys more minutes and maybe build up their trade value. Because I think they're, the Nuggets, to get to where they want to be, Bill Sapp's great and hopefully comes back healthy, but they're still a guy short, um, definitely, of being they're, – they're a playoff team now. But if they want to be a real contender in the top half of the West, they've got to get another player in there. And that's, that's probably the direction because – Harris's extension kicks in next year. You already paid Millsap a lot of money. You're going to have to pay Jokic a lot of money this summer to keep him around. All of a sudden, now you're not you're 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 probably looking more at the trade market versus being a free agent spot for guys. So it is interesting. I'm with you on Wancho. I think he's been played out of position. I don't think he is a three. I think he can play some three, but I think he's a four who can play three um, versus being anything else. And I think too, they've always got their old. Um, you know, veteran fallbacks if they need. Richard Jefferson can always throw him in for a few minutes a game if you need to. And Darrell Arthur, another guy who's you know been productive throughout his time. There's one guy who's still sadly out of the mix, Tyler Lydon. I don't think you know, and I'm not convinced Tyler Lydon's an NBA caliber player. I think he'll you know, get packaged by next year in, in some kind yeah. of a move. Exactly. That's what I think he's, you know, maybe if for some reason, you know, if another guy goes down, you might see Lydon surprisingly slide in there for, you know, a start or two or something where just a, hey, let's, you know, it's Tyler Lydon. Take a look at him. Like kind of what the Blazers have done with Jake Lehman in the past and uh, or they're doing right now with uh, Pat Connaughton. Um, or Connaughton, that's, you know, that's a heated debate on how you pronounce his name. <laughs> you know who they need, um, Keith? With that one. So. You know who they What's need? They, they need Donovan Mitchell is, is who they need. Oh, jeez, I know, right? <laughs> yeah, or that one kind of kills yeah. me still. Yeah. Or OG yeah. Ananobi, one or the yep. other. Yeah. Well, OG was a guy I think they really yeah. wanted, and he yeah. went, went up before burned. them, They got right? burned on that one. Yeah, that's tough. You know, OG would have looked nice there. So, you know, but Denver's still, you know, good good on them. They they've got they've got the depth that they can, you know, see this through, which is in the last couple of years they, they maybe didn't have that. Um, this would have been the kind of thing that might have sunk them. So, you know, good on them. I you know, I I I'm still not convinced, just while we're on the topic, that Jamal Murray's a point guard. I just – I know they can get away with it because Jokic does so much of the ball handling and playmaking. But I just – I don't know. I don't I don't know that he defends the position well enough. And and I just – when they're non-Jokic sets, I just – I never feel real good about him getting them into something. I actually feel better that Moutier gets them into stuff better and can make plays off the bounce more than Jamal Murray. So – and that's not, not – okay. I still like Jamal Murray as a player. Um, and then I know – you may not know this, but Pete knows I love Gary Harris. You know, but that that's my never ending love for Michigan State players. So um for whatever odd reason that is, I'd have never quite tapped into myself um with that. So um that's it's it is interesting though to see where the, the nuggets go from here. It's been a been a good run. So I want to spend a couple minutes now to close out the show. Um 
talking about the Celtics and the disabled player exception because we we didn't talk about it, but there's been some kind of important deadlines that have passed um, as far as the disabled player exception goes. So kind of recap, give everybody a little handle on it. It's a it's an amount of eight point four million, just over that that the Celtics have. They can either bring a player in and trade um, for that amount or less, or they can sign a free agent for that amount or less. But it's one player. That's all you can do is one player, and then it expires on January fifteenth if they don't. Uh, I'm sorry, March fifteenth if they don't use it. I believe it's March fifteenth if they don't use it. Um, so that becomes the, the challenge and March 10th to make that clear. Just look that up on um, March 10th. So, so what, what has kind of happened here though, was one of the thoughts was, well, maybe they just use it, sign somebody for 8.4 million. And then they use that guy in package him together with somebody in a trade. Well, that sounds good, except now we're past the time because if you sign somebody, you got to wait three months before you can trade them. So we're obviously past that. If you don't remember the trade deadlines earlier this year, it's actually on February 8th. So it's moved up ahead of the all-star break this year. I think we, we might maybe could call that the, the, the DeMarcus Cousins rule, maybe. <laughs> um, so it's not as uh, so we don't have an awkward, uh, you know, guy finding out in an all-star post-game press conference that he's been dealt in the middle of the all-star game. Um, so, so we've missed that. Then the next thought was, well, we'll trade for somebody, and then you can reflip that guy later. Well, now your challenge comes in. You can't do that for a couple of months, um, 60 days. So you're really running tight against that window as well. That's coming right up here in another about week and a half or so, um, December 10th. So so the Celtics are really – they're starting to come – then that would be obviously before the trade deadline. So the Celtics are really hitting a point where if they're going to – do anything to reflip the player they acquire, it's going to have to happen in the next week and a half or so. If not, they're just going to have to bring the guy in and do that. I, I don't think they're going to let it go completely unused. I do think that they will bring in a player um, into the, the team, um, even if it means pushing them really close to the luxury tax, just because they're sitting on that open roster spot. And it just makes a lot of sense for them to make the best usage of it. I know we talked about Lou Williams, but I'll start with you, Pete. Do you have any kind of targets you've thought of that the Celtics should go after for the disabled player exception? Mm. Um, the, I think they could use another big um, person. And if you say Jalil Okafor, you're not coming back on the show again. <laughs> I am not going to do that to you. I am not <laughs> going to do that to you as as a um, as a uh, as a Celtics fan. What about a guy like um, like a, a Greg Monroe? Somehow, um, could they make that work? Yeah, the challenge is you can't because you can't pack it. So that's a good thing because it comes up a lot. Mm-hmm. You can't combine the disabled player mm-hmm. exception like, yeah. with another player. Yeah, you're right. Um, one of the things that would you know, I think they would love to maybe combine it with, say, Marcus Morris maybe or um, somebody like that and then go get someone who makes a little more money like a Greg Monroe, but you can't combine it. It has to be used by itself. Right. Um, so that's the challenge. Let me go to Con. You think about it and I'll come back to okay. you. Con, you got any favorites? Um, I don't know if this is a favorite, but I was just looking at people that can kind of fit in. Maybe like a Channing Fry um, could could maybe play some spot minutes All for them, right. but I know – but that's not really. Yeah, I can't great. see Cleveland for, helping out. For me, what I, what I wanted to say in in terms of this is, Boston, if they want to make a move for a player making a good amount of money, let's say I don't know, just throw out Paul George is OKC is really struggling and they need to get rid of Paul George. It probably won't happen, but um, to make a trade like that happen right now, all they have contract wise because they're not going to give away Hayward, they're probably not going to give away Horford or Irving, so they need to get rid of Marcus Morris. Marcus Smart and Aaron Baines at least to make the money work because they're not going to give up Brown or um, Jalen Brown or Jason Tatum either. So those three contracts are the only ones that need to work. So Morris, Smart, and Baines. And then if they get a player like this into this exception, then so like we were talking about Lou Will, right? That's a $7 million contract that teams could want. So maybe they pick up Lou William just in order to trade him later. Um, so that's, that's a use. Yeah, and that, and that would be interesting because then you could do that to kind of like what P was saying, if you wanted to bring in Greg Monroe, you bring in Lou Williams, then you package Williams and say Marcus Morris together, and now I think you've got the money to go get Greg Monroe, um, or at least you're you're getting really close at that point. Maybe add in a you know Gershon Yabasele or you know Shane Larkin, somebody to you know just make up the difference. 
on that. So, yeah, it, it's going to be interesting. I I will say Danny Ainge went and got it because Danny Ainge always wants to have the most flexibility he can possibly have. So that's why he went and got the, the DP. And I know people are getting antsy because it's, 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 it's almost like a trade exception where people are like, why aren't they using it? They need to use it. You know, we're going to lose it. You got to use it. And it's that's not how Danny Ainge works. He's not going to do something just to do it. He's going to do something when it um, – you know, makes the most sense for the Celtics there. So, Pete, have you come up with one that, that you like as you're kind of looking around? Or um, It's okay if you haven't. It's, it's No, not, I, I haven't. Yeah. I mean, I, I saw that Ersan Eliasova thrown out there, but he's not tradable until December 14th, so that, that really wouldn't work. Well, um, it, what, so Jason this Smith is interesting. Maybe? Yeah, I think Smith has a player option, right? In the second year. For next year? Right? Yeah. Yeah, so it has to be an expiring contract. Oh, Can't okay, have an option. okay, okay. Good yeah, call. it has to be an expiring contract. I, I neglected to say that. So Ilya Sova makes some sense to me, especially if he was a guy that they were going to keep, um, if they weren't looking to flip, because I think he – one of the things they don't have is they don't have outside Al Horford. They don't have another big who can really shoot. Um, right just, now, I mean, Morris is not pass. really big. Tatum, yeah, it's you know, but you know what, Jonas Jerebko wasn't a passer either, and Stevens got a True. lot of use out of him the how last much, couple of years. How so. much is Wayne Ellington playing for the Heat? Quite a bit, actually. Okay. He's there. They they only go nine deep. Okay, and okay. he's he's one of the nine. So, yeah, yeah, he's he's another one that could could be interesting. Even along those lines, Marco Bellinelli from the Hawks fits into it if they you know really wanted to move for a bigger um guard who can score the ball um and that's another thing that's important because i didn't mention it but it does have to be an expiring contract um can't have an option can't have non-guaranteed money has to be truly a one-year um contract and expiring so that's why take uh, a shot take a shot at hazonia yeah I did, the only thing is i think you if they're going to do something they want somebody who's certainly going to come in and play okay. for them okay i don't think they want to go the direction of uh, another young guy they've already got that covered but you know i mean if, if anybody i think could make it work and get something out of them it would be the Celtics. you know alex um, len and stevens for a big guy. alex len's another guy out there and, and i know i gave pete a hard time on it but i jaleel okafor i don't hate it you <laughs> I, know? Um, I wouldn't i wouldn't take it the the only the only reason why is i'd like to see what he could do in a little more state i know philly's a more stable situation now but he's not playing I, I think, you know, it could, you know, make it work and then, you know, and then you do almost what the Clippers did with Austin Rivers where you sign them for the match you can for one year and then roll it over. And now, you you know, then you can do a bigger contract with them the year after. So definitely interesting to see what they do with that. That's something we'll keep our eyes on here. So one thing that I have been extremely neglectful of, as my, my partners here reminded me of prior to the show, as we're getting back in the swing of things, is giving them time to share their Twitters and plug some of their work. So, Con, I'm going to start with you. Go ahead and give everybody your Twitter and then some of the stuff you're working on outside of the front office show. Well, yeah, you can follow me at Khan, B-A underscore M-T-D. So that's K-A-A-N underscore M-T-D. And the reason why I'm even on this podcast in the first place is because we I do this podcast with a bunch of guys from uh, Sports Business Classroom, which is a great event at Vegas. Check check that out. But it's called the Bench Mob NBA Podcast. And we just we have a lot of different things. We have... Um, we do a mock trade deadline episode every week from a different team's perspective. So with all these trade talks that we do on here, sometimes like we do that every week over there. And then we, we get some, we got a lot of guests on, like we had Pinkus and Larry Kuhn on, and we're going to have a bunch more guests on later and just check that out. The Benchmob NBA, we have a website, the NBA.com too. So yeah, that's, that's why I'm on. I talked to Keith after sports business classroom and met him and stuff. So it's, it's been a good time. Yeah, no doubt. Definitely check that podcast out. The guys do really good work with that. And, um, you know, it's a, it's a fun listen, especially if you like a little more uh, of that, uh, you know, trade talk of what could teams possibly do. Pete, tell everybody where they can find you on Twitter. Uh, you can find me at Pete Toll NBA. So it's P-E-T-E-T-O-A-L-M-B-A. Um, always willing to, to get into a basketball discussion. And um, my stuff is not well known. Um, as far as what I can share. Um, but anybody that's kind of in the virtual world may um, see changes here and there that, that hopefully are 
going in a positive direction. That's all I can say. Yeah, don't 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 get yourself in trouble. We, you know, trust me. If you're a basketball guy out there, you've seen Pete's work. You just don't know it's Pete's work. Um, we'll we'll just leave it at that. So, um, yeah. So basically, we'll, what we want to do at this point is um, we're going to close out this show with a plea, and this is something I haven't done either. Is can you please go if you're enjoying the show, please go and give us a a five star rating and review. It does help us quite a bit as far as getting advertised advertisers um they're not going to want to advertise when they realize they can't talk um but we we want to get get the show built up so we can get more advertisers if we can get more people we can bring you more content uh challenges the three of us all work full-time jobs outside of this we'd love to have this be the job um but we to get there we need those ratings or reviews so we're asking for a little bit of help from our friends out there with that we will be back at you soon with um more shows we're going to continue to break down news as it relates to the front office next big trade window we're about two weeks out july or July contracts that were signed in the free agency period can be moved as effective December 15th for the vast majority of free agents. So that is the what the NBA executives call the early trade window. Um, and that runs till about uh, middle of December till about the beginning of January or so to middle of January. And then they really consider anything from that point after to be the trade deadline. So so it's interesting. We're, we're definitely going to, I think, have some moves as we talked about throughout the show. It's not a lot of teams with a ton of cap space anymore or projecting to have a bunch of cap space. So the trade market's going to be how teams improve themselves. It's going to be back to where it was over the last uh, um, five to ten years versus the last two to three years. So I think it'll be really interesting to see how that goes as we lead into the trade deadline and all that. So again, if you're enjoying the show, please go over to iTunes or whatever system you're listening on. Leave us a five-star rating and review. Send us feedback. You can send it to the show account at Front Office Show or to me at Keith Smith NBA or to the guys. They both shared their Twitters as well. Um, we try to be very interactive and we get back to everybody as quick as we can. I promise you, if you send me something, I will read it. I respond to everything that is polite if you come at me like a jerk i'm just going to ignore it um, because i don't have time for that so um we'll ignore that but but we're going to close it out here we will be back at you next week with more topics taking inside the nba front offices all over as part of the nba front office show part of the almighty baller network we will talk to you next time Now, an ad from Dad. Save money on car insurance when you bundle home and auto with Progressive. Yeah. Tell you another way to save money. Don't buy those uh, expensive coffees every morning, you know. Then you can save up for a, I don't know, really nice dress shirt. I'm just saying. It's great that you feel comfortable here at work, but, you know, an adult could walk in. Progressive can't save you from becoming your parents, but we can save you money when you bundle home and auto. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discounts not available in all states or situations. All right, let's pull up over here and drop a line. Are your feet wet? My feet are wet. Here's the drain plug. You put the plug in the drain, right? Ah, it's on the dock. There's a reason they say curse like a sailor. Ah, Many reasons. Progressive's boat insurance has you covered. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates.